Excellent. Rafi Chowdhury, thank you so much for joining us here on the ROI in You Career Tips Success Success Tips podcast show. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, you recently joined Google on the Google team. And what could be more about more digital marketing, probably the biggest brand in digital marketing is Google and has been for so long. How, um, how did that come about? How exciting is that for you? First, uh, first of all, Suzanne, thank you so much for having me and, and giving me the opportunity to share. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, um, it's a really good opportunity. It's been amazingly fun. And it just kind of fell into my, my lap. Um, Ronstadt SourceRite is who I work through for Google. Um, so they reached out to me via an email and, and, you know, the rest is history from there. That's awesome. And you're doing recruitment specifically for people with digital marketing, uh, marketing expertise who are looking to work for Google. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yes, so I do work with people that are, you know, in the digital marketing space and that includes, you know, e-commerce, it includes search engine optimization. People have experience you know, in that um, email marketing, product marketing is a big area for us. Um, just about anything that you can think of that's that covers that falls under the realm of internet marketing pretty much, you know, falls within within my role of uh, my the scope of my role. And yeah, my, you know, my, my job as a recruiter is to connect sort of, I'm sort of like a middleman, you can say, so to speak, between the hiring manager and the candidate. So working with the hiring manager to understand what his or her needs are, you know, the ideal candidate, what they're looking for, understanding the job, the role itself, and then going out there and sourcing for the right candidates, you know, posting the job in a way that make, you know, that, you know, marketing the job essentially is, is part of my duties as well. And then sourcing and finding the right talent. Typically we try to represent, you know, the top talent in the mar in any, any given market and just telling them about the position and see, gauging their interest. And hopefully, you know, making that match between the hiring manager and the candidate for that role. That's fantastic. Um, how many candidates are you normally working with? A lot. <laughs> At any given moment, um, I'm typically working anywhere between five to ten job requisitions at a time. So I'm, you know, recruiting for five or five to ten different types of positions. Um, and across those ten roles, I would say. I'm probably talking to a couple of hundred candidates at any one time. So wow. it's a lot of conversations, a lot of, you know, being able to sort of like stay focused and, and organize in terms of which candidate am I interviewing for which role I think can be a tricky part of the, the position, but it's very rewarding as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. I imagine just the mental filing cabinet that you have to keep in terms of you know, which one was which. I, I just did a string of interviews of six different uh, actually, I think eight different candidates for four different roles. So understanding whose priorities are which. Do you want the 10 hour? Do you want the 20 hour? Um, and it's it, it's a lot to keep track of. So I, I I give you so much credit. And you said that you're getting your master's degree. We are MBA right now too, right? Yeah. So outside of that, yes, I'm working on an MBA at the University of Memphis, um, where I'm concentrating on business project management, um, which is you know a, a big big part of kind of what we do day to day today. Um, so yeah, and I'm almost completed with that. I have about three more classes left before I'm wow. done. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And that's a lot when you're managing full-time jobs. 
tell me a little bit about your journey um, in digital marketing and I think you have a great story that a lot of students who I talk to are interested in starting out as an entrepreneur, which you did, um, but you've had many other opportunities since then. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, that'd be great. Sure. So I graduated with my bachelor's degree at the University of Memphis and my senior year, I was very intrigued because my I was in a fraternity and our fraternity president, who was actually my favorite person on in the, in the entire fraternity, he was really a very charismatic person. And before I knew, he launches his own website on music. Like it's, you know, showcasing he was a pianist. And so I was like, wow, that is so cool. He has his own website. Like the idea of having your own website was just so crazy to me at that time. And this is back in like 2012, we're talking about. So um, I was like, I want my own website. I, you know, I played, grew up playing competitive chess. I was like, I, maybe I can talk about chess. Maybe I can, you know, showcase my chess games and things of that nature. So I hired a developer, which was one of my friends at the University of Memphis to build me a website, which was my personal website. Um, and then that's kind of how I got into it. Once I launched the website, I started talking and blogging about chess, but I soon realized like the only people that were reading my blog posts were basically like two different friends that I was sending my blog posts out to. I was like, no, I got to have more readers than just two people, right? There's going to be something else to this that I'm missing. So I started basically researching and trying to figure out like how to generate more traffic to my blog. And pretty soon, quickly, I, I, I discovered a website called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com which is basically where you can hire freelancers. You know, at, at the time it was just $5 basically. And they have all different types of gigs that they would they could do for you. And so I hired a person off of Fiverr to help me like redesign the website and help me with some basic things of search engine optimization, which was a term that I was just starting to, you know, understand what it meant and that you can, by creating content and optimizing the content for the, for the website or for Google, you can get your content to show up higher in search results so when people are searching for different information or products or services, they end up seeing your article or you're finding your website and they come to your website. So I started kind of learning just from hiring people off of Fiverr to help me with different things. And I would communicate with them and understand from them, like what were they, what it is that they were actually doing. Like I learned a little bit of HTML from one of my developers. I learned the basics of on-page optimization from hiring just a person off of Fiverr. You know, then I started following the blog posts and things of like that nature, um, like Backlinko blog, I was following Quicksprout, you know, Moz, these kind of blogs. And I just kind of learned it just from my own. So that's kind of how I got started in marketing, just doing it for myself. And pretty soon I realized there was a demand for this kind of skill set. So I, I launched a digital marketing firm called Chowdhury's Digital, where I was basically helping small business owners with some of these same types of types of things like helping them, you know, getting their business listed in directories, helping them with their Google local business page and optimizing that page so their customers can find them, helping people with their content marketing, helping people de designing and developing a res mobile responsive website, helping them, you know, with lead generation, things of that nature. So basically that eventually turned into a company where I was doing startup consulting. Um, I consulted to startups in the lo greater Los Angeles area where I was focusing more on venture backed startups and helping them with like essentially what's, what I would define as growth hacking, quickly getting lots of new users and, you know, customers, things of that nature, getting a lot of, you know, buzz basically around their startup is what I was helping them with. And so, yeah, from there, I basically transitioned into, you know, full-time roles, um, you know, holding marketing manager positions, e-commerce manager roles, things of that nature. And then eventually got into recruiting just a friend of mine, really close friend of mine, 
and a colleague was in the recruiting business and he convinced me that recruiting was very similar to marketing, but also had components of sales, something that I've been accustomed to just being an entrepreneur. You just kind of have to sell yourself a lot. So yeah, that's pretty much how I got into recruiting and, and I've been in that space since then. Nice. Excellent. So I think that you have a little treasure chest of knowledge, just, you know, recruiting, being on the other side of the desk, let's say, um, that you might be able to share some wisdom with emerging professionals and recent grads. Sure. So I will, um, you know, what I would say is this is assuming you're a recent grad and you're looking to land your first job. Um, the first thing that I would say that's the most important is the resume because the resume gets you that first conversation, right? So having a resume that's very clean without any sort of images or fancy graphics and those kind of things is extremely important. So when you have those fancy graphics and things of that nature, um, what happens is a lot of resumes at big companies get what's known as parsing, where they basically take the text from the resume and turn that into actual text. And then they fill up, put that in different forms and things of that nature. So hiring managers and recruiters can easily read the resume. So if you have a lot of graphics, it's kind of hard to read that for those you know softwares. So I would say having a plain text resume and that has you know the right keywords and the right phrases in it as well, right? So if you're looking for a job in digital marketing, you know, talking about your experience in, with email marketing, for example, or you know, spelling out or writing the word you know search engine optimization and writing SEO next to it, just kind of thinking of all the different buzzwords that a, a particular job field may be looking for, and kind of tailoring your resume, you know, with those buzzwords and keywords in there, right? Also, what's really helpful is kind of using like action verbs in your resume, just not just saying like, hey, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I did this. It's more like, hey, I, I've, I've used X, skill XYZ to achieve task A, B, and C, which resulted in my company benefiting in A, B, and C way, right? Having things in terms of like what you did, what was the project? And how did it ultimately benefit your team or the company? Or how many? How, how did it generate more revenue? How did it make the process more efficient? Things of that nature. So kind of having things written in that kind of way, I feel like is super helpful. The second piece of advice that I would give to a new person, you know, looking into getting into the industry um, is. So when, you, when it comes to applying to jobs, we kind of have a misconception. We think that, oh, if we just simply send our resume to a whole bunch of places, something will eventually click and hit, right? That may work. And I think that does work to some extent, but I think a far better way to approach it would be to look at one job or look target maybe like three to four companies and three to four, two to three roles within each company that you're really, really interested in. And just really, really honing in on those two positions, just making sure that you fit all the requirements of what that position is looking for. And really going the extra mile to cater that resume to that job posting, right? So if they said they're looking for someone with, you know, experience in A-B testing and experimentation in email marketing, having something like that written in your resume, like, you know, I've done A-B experimentations on this project where I've done X, Y, and Z certainly helps because most people out there won't do that. And so as a result, your resume will almost always get to the top of the you know, hiring manager's attention because he's going to be or she's going to be looking at that and saying, wow, this candidate literally ha does, has done everything that we're looking for. Let's talk to that person. 
So even though that might take quite a bit longer than just sending a generic resume out for any particular position, I think it's well worth the time to really cater and target your resume to that particular posting. The final piece of advice that I have, I think for a, you know, an individual getting into this in the digital marketing space, looking for opportunity is like network and relationship building. So like that, you know, that kind of, there's a lot of things that go into it, but any company that you ever speak to, I feel like it's so important to always, you know, that pop, that interaction should always end in, on a good note. You know, so if you do an you know, interview thanking, you know, the hiring manager, even if they don't select you, you know, not just ignoring them or something like that or saying something rude back, but just saying, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed getting to know you and learning more about your company and organization, but also doing something like what we're doing here, you know, just like reaching out to people that are, you know, more experienced and senior in the field and just interviewing them and just asking them, hey, I know I'm up and coming in my career. I'd love to learn more about what you do. You know, would you would you happen to have some time to maybe hop on a Facebook live or like on a podcast segment with me for 15 minutes to kind of share some of your you know skills and expertise? I think that's a really, really good way to sort of like build a network and, you know, and, and use the Benjamin Franklin effect to your advantage, you know, which basically is saying that, you know, if you can get people, we like people that we invest in basically more. Right. So if you get if you can get someone to kind of give you some investments they're more likely to to like you more. They're they're more likely to to ask you know help you out along the way. So just kind of getting onboarded with senior and more experienced professionals, I think, is huge. Yeah, I think there's a couple points there that I've just you know my personal experience, and this is in the back in the paper resume days. You know, to your point about distracting, I thought I, I would help my resume stand out. So I had this paper, this really nice paper that had like kind of a granite pattern to it well guess what like my resume had been copied and had been passed around and was almost illegible <laughs> at the time <laughs> i was like oh not a good idea not a good idea just stick with the white or the ivory is fine and then another thing too that the network i think is really important because how many jobs are actually found you know the the jobs that are posted and they always talk about this but the jobs that are posted a lot of times they already have a candidate in mind for that position. But what you want to do is you want to get ahead of it and, and by building out your network. And another thing that you mentioned when we were prepping on the call is to actually offer to maybe do a project or see if there's a way that you can help out um, just so that people would get a chance to know you um, and see what the quality of your work is. In my experience, my when I first started in journalism, actually I was just – I was just emailing with my old boss from my very first paid journalism job and uh, we're planning to go out to lunch next week, but uh, he didn't have an intern for that particular paper. Like they have a group of family owned papers and um, he's like, well, we never had an intern for the porn paper. And I was like, well, you know, I'm here. Like I would love to do it. I grew up in the town next door. I've spent a lot of time there. And so, yeah, he hired me for a position that didn't exist. So, um, you know, it can be interesting to get ahead of that. Maybe they see a growth opportunity for the organization that, uh, that meets your needs. And then you are applying for a job that's almost created for you and meets your needs. So I think that those are some really great points. Um, and also not to underestimate resume, including keywords, because ultimately a machine is reading it first, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, yes. Um, unfortunately, 
or fortunately, depending on which side of the table you're on, the first person to see, see the resume is typically going to be either a software that sort of does the screening process, mm -hmm. or it's going to be an actual screener, you know, himself or herself who's going to do a quick screening. And unfortunately, screeners get such a hard, large volume of resumes that if one of them is kind of hard to read or they just can't figure out what the information is, or if you have the required experience, they're simply going to toss it to another pile and move on to the next one. Because for them, it's a volume game. They're getting, they're seeing, you know, some, at least at Google, for example, they're seeing anywhere between like, you know, 200 to sometimes like several hundred resumes a day. They're just kind of shifting through a bunch of numbers and just kind of seeing who has the right required experience and passing them on to a recruiter a lot of times. And a lot of large companies have a very similar process. So yeah, if your resume isn't very succinctly, you know, laid out with basic layout, a simple, easy to read format, you know, within a couple of pages or so, it's just, you're just kind of cutting yourself short for no unnecessary reasons. Cause you may have the experience, you may be a really good candidate, but unfortunately the resume speaks before you can. And if you, if it doesn't do the speaking for you, then you won't get that first conversation. Well, in journalism, we call that don't bury the lead. Yeah. The main point of the story has to be at the top. Otherwise, people might not read past the headline and they're definitely not going to read to the end. Exactly. So have to make sure that you're making your point. And I, I find myself in emails, you know, that like a lot of times I'll write out a long email, you know, board president of Ciro's Montessori, which is a, a elementary school I founded. And when I'm writing emails to update our board, I always write it and then I go back and say like, okay, did I bury the lead here? Because a lot of times, you know, you kind of get worked up <laughs> and yeah. like, and into the details and you're like, all right, what's the most important thing and what do I need this person to do now? Um, those are really key factors. And if you apply that to your resume, the other interesting thing that when you talked about all the, all the requirements that they're looking for, I wonder if it would help, especially if you've recently graduated to look at those bullet points and put them into questions right? Mentally make them into questions for yourself. Like, okay, they want three years experience of SEO or, um, or, you know, I don't know, Canva, let's say, um, experience. Like, how do you answer that question with the formula that you gave was, I did this with these skills, with these tools, and the result was this. Um, and I think it's really important to help you stand out um, now, what do you say to somebody who maybe hasn't had a lot of experience or didn't have an opportunity to have an internship while they were in college? That's okay. You know, I think a lot of people don't have internships in college. You can still really get into any kind of a position. Like there are tons of entry level positions and most companies I think offer that. I think, you know, if you don't have the work experience, you kind of, to some extent, have to sort of like fake it till you make it sort of a scenario where you have to show that, hey, I've actually done this kind of thing in class. You know, like, so for example, if you're starting digital marketing, say you had a background in, let's just use my case, psychology, right? Um, you could say, hey, in our project, you know, in our class, we talked about, you know, we studied consumer um you know, behavioral economics, right? Mm -hmm. And because of my, you know, experience in behavioral economics, I've been able to think about these kind of things or work on this particular project. Whatever you can kind of tie into what you're doing certainly helps. The other thing I would recommend is to just to get some experience, just starting to reach out and say, hey, I'll help you with some project. I, I would love to just work for free and just to get some experience. I think that lots of companies will probably be open to that. And if you already graduated and you didn't do an internship while you were in college, you can still qualify for internships. Plenty of companies offer internships, even to like non-college 
students, right? You, you don't have to necessarily be in college to do an internship at a company. So just by reaching out to them and just having a conversation with you know, the HR department or something like that, and just being proactive, you know, I think is huge. And again, my advice here would be, again, when you're first starting out, it's usually a better idea to target the largest companies that you can get into. Then when you're a little bit more seasoned in your career, then you can just take a step back and, you know, sort of like be that big fish in a small pond. But it's when you're starting out, I do think it's extremely important to get into a larger organization just so you can have that exposure as early as possible. Because once you have a lot of exposure, you can always narrow down and figure out what your area of expertise should be. So my overall advice would be to be very proactive and just keep calling and emailing until you find someone who is going to be willing to let you help them for free. And almost any company will say, yeah, come on board, help us if you're going to be doing it for free. Everyone loves interns. Yeah, that's fantastic. The other thing, too, is that I wanted to mention, ideally, if you, you know, getting a position at a bigger company is a branding strategy, right? That they say like, oh, if you worked for Google, wow, that's impressive. Right now, you want something slightly different, want a different role or a different um, different structure. But the other thing too is this idea of being recruited, right? Which you are a recruiter, you were recruited, and maybe how? Because in my experience, for the interns that I have worked with, they once they've landed their first job, they get cherry picked, right? They don't have to apply for jobs; they have jobs coming to them because they have. Right, went right out of the gate with a ton of experience and uh, didn't have this whole onboarding training process because they did that with me. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious, you know, in your experience, when you have job hopped, how much of that has been initiated by you versus being attracted into an opportunity? Yeah. So earlier in my career, it was definitely me having to search out and find those positions, <clears throat> you know, and I think you can, to some extent, avoid that by being really, really good at including those keywords and phrases in your LinkedIn profile. Because LinkedIn is being used so heavily by recruiters today, um, just making sure that whatever you have on your resume, all of that should be on your LinkedIn. Any kind of keywords, phrases, titles, positions, jobs you've had, anything you've had, you should have an absolutely stellar profile on LinkedIn. Like, I don't know the statistics for this per se, but majority of the recruiters at Google, they begin their search on LinkedIn, even though Google actually has its own proprietary sort of database that they claim, you know, we claim that it's larger than LinkedIn in terms of just the amount of candidate pool that's in there. But regardless, LinkedIn is just much easier to use. And it has a lot more information about the candidate that, you know, Google doesn't necessarily have. So LinkedIn is definitely where most recruiters start their search if you're going to, if they're going to go out and source for candidates. So I would say just kind of having those, you know, on your LinkedIn is going to be huge. Awesome. I think that'll definitely give uh, give the upper hand. But, you yeah. know, I, I would say also that, yeah, if you, um, I think you should always be proactive. You know, you should always be proactive in your job search. You should always have an updated copy of your resume at hand. And if you're not seeing, you know, that recruiters are approaching you, then, I mean, you know, you should take the, take Take the initiative yourself and reach out to them. I love it. All right. Well, we do try to keep these short and so much great information packed right in there. Thank you so much, Rafi. And uh, we met on LinkedIn and I'm happy to be connected with you. And thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Really enjoyed it as well.